Welcome to FinTech Brews and News, brought to you by Central Payments and Falls FinTech. I'm Nikki Rohde. And I'm Trent Sorby. Founders, co-founders, payments professionals, and, well, just people who love brews. This is a place to get a behind-the-scenes look at unique partnerships and ways to bridge the financial gap between banking, startups, and the entire fintech industry. Whether it's a beer, or coffee, or something else, there's certain to be a brew in every episode. After all, how do we function in this space without it? Each episode, you're sure to take away some good stuff going on in the financial technology space. So without further ado, let's grab a brew. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of FinTech Brews. I'm Trent Sorby, the CEO at Central Payments. Uh, we've got a very special episode today. As you can tell from the background around me, we're not in our offices in Sioux Falls. We're coming at you from Sioux River Hunt Club in Bruce, South Dakota. Uh, very special opportunity today uh, to enjoy a little South Dakota recreation. Um, those of you that know South Dakota know that pheasant hunting uh, is a very big part of our economy. Uh, and we were happy today uh, to bring some of our friends in uh, to enjoy a little of the great South Dakota outdoors. Uh, Today, we've got a really special episode. Um, I'm joined today by Alex Baden. Alex is the CEO at Performline, um, which is a company that uh, we very happy are very happy to do business with. Uh, Alex, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and Performline, and, and tell us why you're, uh, why you're in South Dakota today. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll start there, if that's okay. Absolutely. So this is really great. Thank you for, uh, for having me on the podcast, but, but thank you for inviting me to the Sioux River Hunt Club. We ran into each other at Money 2020 in October, and you mentioned that you were thinking about pulling together uh, an outing out here. And I was all in when I heard about it. So uh, it's really fun to to enjoy South Dakota, to uh, to get to experience the uh, the wild pheasant hunting, which has always been on my bucket list, um, and also to connect with, with customers and partners. Um, so this is one of the reasons why I'm in town. Um, because you had you had an event last night in Sioux Falls too, so tell us what tell yeah. us what what brought you to Sioux Falls for business reasons. Yeah, so um, so I am, as you mentioned, I'm the I'm the founder and CEO of Performline, um, and I'm sure we'll talk a great deal about our business. Um, but but one one part of our business is um, we've been bringing together the compliance community from the banking and fintech space for for many years now uh, in the form of in-person conferences. And one of the things that changed with COVID a couple of years ago is instead of doing a very large annual New York City event with six or 700 people, um, we started taking it on the road. So we call it the Comply Roadshow. It's the Comply uh, Conference Series. And we've been focusing on areas where we have a large concentration of customers, um, where there's a lot of banking innovation happening. So we've been to cities like Salt Lake City with the Roadshow, Dallas, Texas, San Francisco. And um, just two nights ago was, or excuse me, last night was uh, Comply Sioux Falls. Wonderful. Yeah. And I, I happened to uh, have opportunity to join you for a little while, and it looks like you had a great turnout. Yeah, we had a lot of fun. There was almost, I think, 30 people there, which you know is not bad for a for a Wednesday night in the holiday season. And, and I would say, uh, based on how last night went, I think we'll be back, and uh, it should be bigger and better next year as well. Wonderful. Maybe we'll time a hunt around your visit uh, next year, too. Please. Yeah, that'd be fun. So we're kind of focusing this conversation today on uh, partners of ours that are involved in, in an area we hear more and more about. I, I like 
people call it regtech. Um, you know, tell us a little bit about when I hear regtech, the first thing I, I'm always a little skeptical, like how do you bring technology to compliance and regulation? Um, Tell us a little bit about Performline, what you're doing in the space, um, which, which frankly is incredibly unique. And, and tell everybody a little bit about the tool. Yeah, sure. No, happy to. So, um, right, RegTech is probably the name of the broader space where Performline plays. And what we've done is we've brought automation and scalable technology to a um, business function that has historically been very manual um, and very uh, kind of spot check centric. So the use case that we're solving primarily is sales and marketing compliance for regulated industries. So when we think about your business at Central Payments and a lot of the uh, attendees and guests last night, they have a big um, compliance responsibility to ensure that what's being said and promoted to their customers directly, or if they're partnering uh, with other companies that are helping to um, sign up customers for financial services products. They may have a banking relationship and be the partner bank, and they also have responsibility to ensure that all of those communications are compliant with both the regs uh, of the products they're offering, as well as their, their own brand guidelines and how they want their brand portrayed in those conversations. So we're focused on sales and marketing compliance. Um, our platform is all about making it scalable uh, and automated. We offer the solution in six different channels. So if you are a bank or a fintech or a credit card company and you are using email um, to recruit new customers, if you're using uh, chat function to talk to your existing customers, if you're partnering with web affiliates to get leads and applications, if you have a call center, maybe you're doing collections on the call center or customer service calls, um, if you're using social media or your partners are, uh, so that's five channels. And then our, our sixth channel is um, is document review. Sure. So as uh, as the legal and compliance team gets documents for review and approval, we figured out a way to issue automated verdicts on those assets to just infuse some speed into the approval process and accuracy. Um, and it's 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 been you know very popular, and we're getting a lot of traction in all different forms of consumer finance. So it's 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 very interesting to me because you're talking about. Um, when I first heard about Performline, there was a there was a hefty dose of skepticism on my part because I was like, let me get this straight. They can look at a piece of marketing. Their tool evaluates a piece of marketing and can provide us warnings about the marketing, certain things that the tool recognizes in the marketing might, to your point, violate our rules, network rules, regulations, et cetera. Tell us a little, let's unpack that a little bit. Like how sure. does the tool go in and, and evaluate a disclaimer or some sort of critical term in the marketing piece? Like tell us about the AI yeah. behind that. Yeah. So I guess the way I like to explain this to somebody, if I'm having a beer with them at a bar and they don't, they don't know a lot about what we do or a lot about reg tech or anything about the regulations, I kind of break it down into three main tenets, uh, discover, monitor, and act. So I think the first kind of key feature that our technology is able to provide is just the discovery of the unknown. So there's nothing that keeps a chief compliance officer up at night more than not knowing what the risks are and not knowing what's potentially out there. So we've created all kinds of clever ways to find one of our customers' brands online, whether it's social media, whether it's on some third-party affiliate site, and kind of discover wherever your brand appears. Um, so that's the first piece, discovery. And we've also built really lightweight 
and easy ways to discover, let's say, um, tons of audio recording that you might have or social posts or what have you. And then the next piece, monitor, that's where our rule engine and the AI and the ability to actually deliver a verdict comes in. So we built this first version of our rule engine maybe about 10 years ago. Um, and it's really focused on looking for the presence of language or images that should not be there and the absence of disclaimer language uh, that needs to be there. And there's all kinds of sophistication around it based on proximity, based on where these disclaimers appear. And all of that can be used as like signal to determine what the risk level might be on a particular customer interaction or a particular marketing asset. Um, so that's, that's, that's the monitoring. And then we've layered analytics on that so that anybody that's a practitioner can risk rank all of their marketing pieces, their partners, their products. Um, and then the last piece, action. What we learned early on is like we're producing a lot of data and we have tens of billions of potential compliance observations or potential compliance violations in the form of observations in our database. It was a little overwhelming. What we needed to do was make it actionable. So we built a workflow layer on top of it so that whosever job it is, is to, is to find these potential issues and then remediate them. That can all be tracked and saved and recorded and provide proof you can use if you have a regulator audit, or even if you just need to report up and tell data-driven stories about, hey, what your team is doing to protect your brand and to uh, mitigate the risk, that can all be done within the tool. When I, when I first learned, um, when I started to learn more and more about PerformLine, you know, the wheels really started to turn about all the ways we can apply it to our business. Because, you know, that marketing review, just, just the review function, let alone the discovery function, which you really have to have something out there crawling on the web full time if you're going to do that. But just the review function, you know, we're talking about, in our case, thousands and thousands of pieces that are coming in, you know. Two things about that. A, the review process is very expensive. You typically need a, a pretty seasoned compliance professional looking at pieces after pieces after pieces. So I immediately thought about the cost savings aspect of it. And then you start to think about, you know, that review function done by a human being 100% of the time is inherently subjective, right? I don't know the, the type of mood my person yeah. is in when they come to work Maybe that somebody day. didn't get a good night of sleep. That's exactly right. right? Maybe they're uh, you know, just not feeling 100% and they're not going to... They're going to miss things. Yeah, you're, you're yeah. now all of a sudden you're bringing an element of consistency to something that in, was for most of us from our whole careers was inherently subjective. And uh, it got very exciting for us right away. And you know, we started to share it with partners and partners are sending in their marketing pieces. And now all of a sudden I can provide evaluations because we have partners all the time that are saying, hey, how come you're taking this many days to review a marketing piece? Now we can go back and say, well, you know what? The quality of the piece you're providing could be better. And if your quality of the piece is better, it's going to obviously speed our review. And now to your point, we have the data, the analytics to be able to say, your pieces average X, the rest of our population are averaging Y. That's probably to explain why the review process might be taking longer than you expect. So it brings data into it for yeah, us that, yeah. that gets really interesting. And I'm yeah. sure all your clients are telling no, you the same story. Thank you for thank you for breaking that down. That that's awesome. And and it's funny, there, you know, we don't really position the tool as a human replacement. Uh, we position the tool as to help make your team members better and more efficient. And quite frankly, you know, compliance for a long time in the enterprise has been a little neglected by software companies as well as sometimes by 
um, you know, internally in terms of where the investments are going, right? Your sales team has had Salesforce for 10 years. Your marketing team is likely at HubSpot or Marketo. Often the compliance team is still using spreadsheets Absolutely. or doing stare and compare and they're Google searching to try and find their, their offering on the web. So it's only natural that if in fact um, the company or the bank takes compliance seriously, they're going to give their team cutting edge tools so that they can do their job better. And um, that's, that's, the, that's, that's what we hope to offer um, to help make our, our users um, all stars that they, that they are and just, just give them a little bit of an edge so they can review more, they can be faster, they can be more accurate. Um, and they can have a day-to-day -day dashboard that helps them organize and keep track of their work. Absolutely. Now, tell us, and I know you're, you're in Sioux Falls because we are a bit of a financial services hub. I, I used to tell people all the time, you're in Sioux Falls for two reasons, pheasant hunting or financial <laughs> services. So this is both. You get to enjoy both. Oh my gosh. Exactly. That's this great. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, but explain to us just a little bit about some of the other industries that, that, you, that, you, that the tool touches and how it's being used. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I will just... Um, if you don't mind, also mentioned, um, you know, one of the reasons we're in Sioux Falls is because of central payments. Um, I think you were one of our first customers that we had in this area. We always knew there was a lot going on. And one of the things that I was really excited to learn about was the history of central payments. And it was the Central Bank of Kansas City that you were born out of. And one of the things that resonated with my team and with me personally is the background of the Central Bank of Kansas City serving um, you know, the underbanked um, in minority communities and immigrant communities and the inclusiveness of that. And one of the things that um, sometimes gets lost in our story, but a key stakeholder in what we're doing is the at-risk consumer. Yes, we work with banks uh, to help them, you know, protect themselves against regulatory action and enforcements. Um, and we certainly spend a lot of time with our employees and making sure they have career accelerating opportunities. But at the end of the day, we're helping consumers that you know get better information, uh, make better financial decisions, and hopefully you know have an opportunity to get access to more financial services um, that are right for them. So it really kind of it, it was really uh, there was a little bit of a personal connection, even though we're really just getting to know each other personally on trips like this and at the conferences. So I, ju I just wanted to comment well, uh, think, on that. And it's funny you should say that because. I to your point, the tool, you think of the tool right away, oh, it's going to defend me against regulatory criticism, blah, 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 blah. But I think I, I, I share your opinion that it also should improve the quality of the information, right? And, and one thing about the communities that CBKC has always served is that they are inherently distrustful of banks. They, they see marketing that feels too good to be true. Um, isn't telling them the true details and it creates apprehension. And, and so there's a big, a big portion of the population of underserved consumers that just simply distrust banks. You hopefully, and the tool, I believe are going to raise the bar of the quality of information that consumers are getting. And I think that's an enormous benefit yeah, that, that, that you don't think about right away. We're helping, you know, we're helping make the, the terms clear and concise and often, you know, these potential violations that the technology um, surfaces, they're not out there for an egregious manner. Right. I mean, sometimes they might be, but more often it's, 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 it's an old piece of copy, a rate has changed, maybe the, the company's unclear about like how, where the standard regulations, where they sit. Um, 
And, and we found over the years, and we've been doing this for a long time, there's definitely a correlation between the best businesses and those that see a good business as a compliant business. It's good for business if you're transparent. If you want to build an enduring, sustainable business, like you want to have a, a square deal with your customers, and that means telling them what they're getting and what they're not getting. So it's really been great to build a mission-driven company, uh, and we think it helps us attract the best talent we can. We think it helps us with our retention of our customers because um, we're all kind of aligned on these core values. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, going back to your, my, my question, tell us, in addition to fintech and banking, yeah. wh where else is the tool being used? Yeah. So um, banking and fintech and everything consumer finance is definitely the majority of our focus, but we are in other verticals. Our technology is agnostic really for any vertical or space that has regulations around sales and marketing or truth and advertising. So we work with education companies. We work with insurance companies. We've got some just general technology customers. And we're we're talking about and looking at the next potential vertical for us, whether that's healthcare and pharma, which obviously has a lot of truth and advertising laws, or even some of these high-risk categories that are emerging, like cannabis, online gaming, and things like that. Yeah, we really envision a day like we can almost uh, apply an index using your tool where any piece of marketing can be compared against the index. So the submitter has an idea sort of where it sits in relation to a broader index. Interesting. Um, and, you know, I could, to your point, I can see that application in tons of different industries. Yeah. So that, that reminds me of one of the new products that we're working on, which is a benchmarking view through our BI overlay. Because I think one of the things about compliance is... Um, there's different shades of gray. Of course. And compliance is, uh, you know, how you apply it is should be a risk-based uh, approach where sometimes on certain regs or for certain products or customer types, you have to be 100% dialed in, you know, black and white by the, you know, 100% by the letter of the law. But there's other categories that are emerging where maybe the regs are a little less prescriptive and it may be highly competitive. And you may want to find, you know, more of a middle ground. And that's kind of our approach. So all of the all of the scoring mechanisms have dials that you can set to, you know, the equivalent of uh, of, of 11. It goes to or you can or you can dial it back. Um, so when you talk about like taking a marketing asset and comparing it to index, really what you're getting at is, hey, are we being more compliant than the industry or less compliant? So because we've been doing this for 10 plus years across hundreds and hundreds of um, relatively similar customers, um, we think we're able to provide that sort of indexed look um, and that, that should be unique and helpful to our customers. Do you, have an, do you have an example or like a case study of where somebody brought the tool in and, and how they used it, you know, sort of what their learnings were, how they've adapted over time? Yeah, I mean, uh, we could talk. We could be here all day till till next pheasant season. But uh, but on that one, but a couple that that just kind of come to mind quickly. Um, we've got a very large uh, lease to own company that's lease to own as well as buy now pay later. And originally, they came to us for help with their call center, and they were manually reviewing about one percent of the calls. And they had about I think about three million minutes a month um, of of recorded call talk time that they needed to understand where the risk was. And that's where we started with that channel. And within about 90 days, we got them from 1% coverage manually to 100% coverage. And the coverage was much more efficient because 60% of their calls had no potential compliance issues. And you see that in the dashboard. So their QA team didn't need to spend time reviewing perfectly compliant calls. They could focus on that other 40%. And even in that, like we bookmark in the audio, hey, at minute 
you know, 20 and 22 seconds, this is where there's some language that may be deemed problematic. Um, and because we were able to prove the efficiency in the call center, they've added every other channel. Because so that's, that's based, that space is is had its fair share of challenges around its marketing practices. So yeah. I, I, it's a perfect well, it's, it's application a, it's, for its tool. Right. I mean, the, the, the growth of buy now, pay later and lease to own has been explosive mm -hmm. over the last few years. And there hasn't been clear uh, regulatory guidance yet, but all of the regulators, the OCC, the CFPB, uh, the California Financial um, Consumer Authority are all saying, hey, it's coming. So some of the biggest and probably most compliance-leaning lenders in that space are years in with us, and they are going to be ready for when those regulations come out. I just moderated a panel um, in October at Money 2020 with two of our two of our great strategic customers, Crossover Bank, and they're one of their largest partners, Affirm, and they're doing something really interesting where they're very collaborative on how they're using the platform. Um, they're both taking the the responsibility to surveil and monitor all of the merchant placements of the Affirm offer. So not only is Affirm doing it, you know, to be good stewards of their brand and to make sure that all of the places, and we're talking about almost 200,000 URLs, um, or, but that was last I checked, and maybe 400,000 now, um, that have an offer from Affirm are run through our engine for compliance checks, but also their partner bank is doing the same thing on some of those URLs or doing it on their own materials. And they're able to have a real apples to apples approach to making sure that there isn't any language out there that a consumer might be confused about. Because like you said, it, it is unlikely you're going to remove the human element 100% from the process. But boy, you can really be much more targeted and hone in on areas of greatest vulnerability for criticism versus random sampling that Absolutely. you just be lucky and, to find and what something. we think what we think it can do is we can it can unlock your growth potential because you can't sign up a giant merchant like a Walmart or a Shopify that has hundreds of thousands of URLs if you don't expand your your coverage uh, for compliance on those placements but if you're working with Performline you can really do that almost instantly um, so again, we're not replacing those humans, but we're giving them much more yield. Absolutely. Uh, makes sense to me. Um, so you, you touched, we've, we're starting to touch on uh, one of my favorite topics and a topic we talk about a lot on FinTech Brews, the, the regulatory environment, right? Feels like it's constantly shifting, feels like it's always changing, feels like scrutiny, especially in our space, you can sense that scrutiny today um, is much greater than it may have been two or three years ago. How do you adapt with those changes and, and what are you seeing today? I mean, I think we're seeing a lot of what you just said, that um, compliance, uh, the regulators, excuse me, are, are a lot more focused right now on all the pockets of the digitalization of banking and uh, fintechs, and they are they are catching up to really. I think what 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 was always happening for the last few years, but but in COVID, things certainly accelerated. So now they're 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 spending time in these new consumer finance products, um, and really understanding them and understanding what the risks are to consumers, and then either taking regs that are already on the books for maybe a different product like credit cards, and saying you know what this is very applicable to, let's say, buy now, pay later. So this is going to be the guidance. Um, so there's a lot of change happening. And, and some some companies are scared um, because they feel a little behind the eight ball. Um, and others are embracing it. And they're saying, we actually would like uh, very clear rules of the road. And we want to compete on a level playing field. 
And if we know what the rules are, then we can adhere to them and invest in staying compliant um, and build a build a world class compliance management system, and and play by the and play by those rules. So I think what we're seeing is just a, like a varying degree of like what it means operationally for the company. And I think that's it starts with the culture. Like, what is the what does the company or the lender want to be? Do they really want to, you know, invest in compliance, or is that lower on their list? And there are different stages where you know, if you're if you're a if you just raised your seed funding and you're a fintech and you have ten thousand customers, you're not the right customer for Perform Line. We're you're you're too early for us, um, and that's okay, right? You need to have some some scale where it makes sense to 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 bring technology into the process. Because if you haven't built the right mechanics manually, then you're, you're, you may not know how to best utilize the tool to infuse automation and scale, if that makes sense. It does. It felt like a mouthful. I don't know. Did it make sense? It did. It made okay. perfect sense. Right. And I think it, you know, what you're really talking about, though, is you're, you're, you're bringing an element of business and ROI um, and commercial terms into what Traditionally, it would look like a, as a standalone compliance process, yeah, right? Yeah. And I think that's very interesting. I, I'm always challenging, and, and we talk a little bit about the way Central Payments uses um, the Perform Line tool, but I'm always challenging my team, like, are we fully utilizing the tool? Do you think we're doing everything we can? And they constantly come back and say, like, we'll never hit that. Because yeah. the, the, the opportunities are really endless in the thing. And, and I think that's okay, right? Like, you're... You, I don't think you are, and I don't think you ever will. And pr part of that is because we're always making the engine better, right? We release every two weeks. Like we're always adding enhancements and new features. Um, you just got to use an, the the right part of the tool, like that fits your size and your scale and your and your KPIs. Yep. Um, so you know, some customers use more of it than others. Some customers log in multiple times a day. Others others hardly log in, and they rely on a lot of our customer success team and our pro services to do the remediation. So it really it just kind of depends on what's right for your business, um, whoever you are, um, and you can still get value out of it. Um, it reminds me to like back to, I know one of the things you want to talk about was like, how did we start the company and what was the background? One of my first jobs out of college was I worked for Bloomberg, right? Probably one of the original um, fintechs. If you yeah, think about it, right? They, they, you know, the before, terminal before fintech was fintech, they were selling the Bloomberg terminals, Absolutely. and I was I was on the sales team there. And I mean, our customers would use like one percent of that thing. It was so powerful, but it was enough to build you know a huge, huge brand and a huge business and really high retention rates. Um, well, look, so. we've we have found the tool even in like I think a year now. I think we've been a part a client. Um, it's incredibly valuable, and I'm I'm always pressuring the compliance folks to find more utilization of it because I can see the benefits. Because like any AI, it's going to do a better job with the more materials that are put through it. The more it sees, the better the AI will work, and the more valuable the tool is. So I'm always like, let's just maximize this yeah, thing everywhere yeah, we yeah. can. Well, one of the things that's super impressive that I've heard from our CSM Taylor, who who works on a day to day basis with your team, is like not only are they in the platform. But they're also um, consuming a lot of the content we put out. So we we try and do a lot of uh, distilling of the regs or talking about you know what's in the news and how it affects compliance departments. Whether it's uh, an annual report that we put out on the complaint database where we analyze the complaints from the CFPB, and your team consumes all that and they share it. And uh, I think that's 
I think that's great. They give us feedback on it. Um, so it's, you know, kudos to, to you for, for building and supporting a team of, of learners um, that are, are, are willing to spend their time to learn more about what's happening in the industry. Yeah, and and you know, I think one of our core value props is to be a subject matter expert, right? We want our partners to look at our compliance team as, as assets to whatever the program happens to be. And so I'm, I'm not, I'm pleased to hear everything you just said, but I'm not exactly surprised because yeah. I think they want to be subject matter experts and, and the tool certainly, certainly helps for that. Um, well, this has been great. Uh, tell us if, if I'm a listener and I'm thinking, man, I, I really want to learn a little bit more about yeah. Performline. What's the easiest way to uh, to get in touch? I think the easiest way is just come to our website, right? The com- performline.com. Um, but we're on we're on all the social feeds. Um, maybe you can come to one of our comply events. That would be really fun. Uh, maybe we can uh, maybe we can hunt pheasants together in South Dakota one year for for any of your listeners um, or one of the other many kind of fun outings that we do, and um, just keep just keep keep your eye out for our content and and our message. You're, you've got a great team. I mean, from the starting with the sales process all the way through through the client support process, the, they're they're fantastic. Thank so. you. I mean, they are the they are the kind of the heartbeat of the company, and uh, they make it fun for me. Um, as do, you know, meeting great people like you, uh, on the road. So thank you, Trent. Awesome. Well, uh, welcome to South Dakota. So pleased to hunt with you today. Um, and, uh, really thanks for taking the time for joining us uh, here at FinTech Brews. Uh, my pleasure. Thank right. you. Thanks, Alex. There you have it. We hope you enjoyed this episode of FinTech Brews and News. Keep up with all the content and cool stuff happening at Falls FinTech and Central Payments by checking out our website, our YouTube channel, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss out on our next episode. I'm Nikki Rohde. And I'm Trent Sorby. See you next time. Cheers. Cheers.